0: I think of personalization as being appropriate for high-touch scenarios. And a high-touch scenario for me, and when I coach people on personalization, is really where you want to do one of two things. You want to drive action, or you want someone to respond
1: to you. From Virtuous, I'm Noah Barnett, and this is the Responsive Fundraising Podcast a show where we talk with fundraising leaders and thinkers to uncover how today's top-down profits craft remarkable donor experiences and build lasting relationships at scale. On this episode, I'm joined by Ali Bridge. Ali heads up Bonjuro's marketing team, and he's worked with... At the intersection of technology and personalization for years, first starting out in a customer success role. And now Ali spends most of his days really thinking about how he can enable organizations to have more personalized relationships with their customers or donors or supporters by using Video And during our conversation, that's exactly what we talk about. We talk about the elements of personalization, what it is, how do you communicate that through video, and when you shouldn't use personalization. Ali's perspective on this is well-versed and insightful, so let's dive in. Ali, you and your team at Bunjuro have been really emphasizing this idea of using personalization, especially through video, to build better connections, you know, with con- customers or consumers. But I think the question is, is like, why does that matter more than ever now? And 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 when do you actually use personalization? I think um,
0: I guess there are like two elements to, to this question, which is the the why piece is interesting. Um, and there's two sides to the why piece of personalization. I guess the, what, the first part is the sort of biological part of it, the biological mechanism. Like personalization works for a particular reason. You know, humans are sort of wired into personalization. I don't know if, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure most listeners here will have listened to or read uh, Dale Carnegie's uh, book, you know, How to Make Friends and, and Influence People. And there's a section in that where he talks about you know, this sort of part of our brain, which is called the reticular activating system. And that's basically like it controls the pathway to your sort of conscious brain as a human. And in order to activate that, you basically you essentially need to say something that's relevant to a person. So let's say I'm at, a, you know, I don't know, at a, uh, a cocktail party and someone says the name of a film that I've just watched. That part of my brain sort of lights up. And it's like, oh, yeah, I just watched that film. And I immediately sort of tune into that conversation. So personalization isn't, I think it's important to think, you know, personalization isn't this sort of thing that just happens to work. It happens to work uh, for a reason. You know, there's a sort of biological uh, driver behind it. Um, and I think the, you know, it's interesting it's sort of leading into the, the other part of your question, which is like, why does this work now? I actually think it's really interesting because I think almost in the last 10 years with sort of where we've gone with like social media and everybody's sort of headspace being more and more impinged by sort of this noise of social media and all these other things is people have sort of less time to sort of, you know, use their conscious brain on stuff. They're sort of flitting from one thing to the other. So your objective, I guess, as a company or as an organization or as a charity is to tap in that person's consciousness and one way of doing that is to be really really good at personalization because that gets you access to their conscious thought and you can then have you know a great conversation with that person and create proper engagement rather than just that really sort of you know minimal fragmented engagement that they're doing elsewhere so yeah I think that's a sort of biological piece but also leaning into the into the sort of why now uh, because we're sort of more busy than ever and we've got less headspace than ever so you need to be doing this personal thing
1: yeah and i think how we've we've looked at this exact same thing is that attention is so fractured and competition for that attention is you know extremely fierce and Mm. personalization really acts as kind of a signal to the person that this is something more to pay attention to it like reduces the friction for participation or as they're sifting through messages and content and whatnot as they're trying to figure out like what to actually focus in on giving them that kind of light post you know for lack of a better term like you mentioned the movie it's like oh like that's something that I know because you know we want to participate in things that you know, feel relevant to us, as you mentioned. And creating those light posts is really what personalization does to kind of make it easier to interact with that. You're like reducing friction.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting. I've seen this as a general trend that I've seen coming out of the marketing space as well. And you know, the space that I work in on a SaaS, you know, software marketer, a lot of the emails that I see now, people are moving away from the, you know, if they're announcing something or if they're emailing their entire list, Quite often, I'm seeing people move away from this, you know, product update, lots of images, lots of sort of general marketingy type copy to more having an actual conversation with their customer, and they'll almost lead in the the copywriting with sort of what they've been up to, or asking a question of their audience what they've been up, uh, what they've been up to, or prompting for a reply, like at the end of the email saying, "Oh, P.S., you know, I've been doing this. What have you guys been up to?" So that sort of conversational element. And I think you know, that's another way of giving that like, personalized feel that actually taps into that sort of conscious side um, of your audience and sort of activating and, and engaging with them on a proper level. Uh, so it's interesting. I think you know, people are, are moving in that direction, you know, definitely in the email marketing space as well.
1: And the interesting thing there, I'll kind of present two things is that um our partners over at Next After, they're an innovation and optimization firm for nonprofits. They've actually shown that this isn't just like the right thing to do or the thing that like helps build bridges, like personalization is, you know, feels better in some ways. It actually produces more results. And what they've seen is that it's not just like high first name and then tell them what you want. You know, it's not simplistical like. Adding personalized tokens throughout an email, but it's getting down in like the weeds. And what they've done is they've had like plain text emails that are just like, "Hey, I'm doing well," like you know, et cetera, you know, kind of, and then going into the whatever the the call to action is. But instead, they've actually taken the first paragraph or two to get hyper detailed into personalization. Like it wasn't like, "Oh, I'm doing well in quarantine." It's like I've been binge watching the good place and going on walks three days a week to stay healthy. Like you almost have to get into the weeds of like building that personal image where someone can be like, Oh, I can see what's going on here. And so it's kind of this like detailed personalization, which has been really interesting to watch in the space, but it actually drives increased results. But I do think like, as you mentioned, the more people are seeing this in market, it just becomes more common. And so I think then the question becomes is like, when do you use personalization? When should you be hyper-personalized? Like are there circumstances where you shouldn't leverage that? Like how do you advise clients? Cuz obviously you guys are encouraging, you know, users to send, pers- you know, hyper-personalized video. But when is that right? When is it wrong? How do you even prioritize when to personalize?
0: Yeah. Um will so I'll give you I'm going to give you a mental model for this. I just wanted to say on that other piece. It's interesting that I think the reason some people it's interesting you said that more and more marketers are doing that personal thing, almost having the conversation, telling a story to their customers. I actually sent an email to our customer base about four months ago that the entire email was pretty much about Tabasco sauce and the Tabasco sauce I just had on my dinner that night. Um, and it did really well and got an unbelievable number of replies. But it's really scary when you do that. So I think you know, people, there's that sort of fear factor. It's like, you know, can I actually use... This part of my life, this part of my story, will people connect with it? And people are really scared of that. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever tried something quite so detailed, like you say, sort of going deep you know, into that personalization in my own story to connect with my customers. But it worked incredibly well. So it does work. So I think if you're sort of scared, you know, on the yeah. on the fence about it, just give it a go and see what happens, because I think you'll be really surprised.
1: Um, I think it brings up an interesting point that it does require a level of vulnerability, which I think depending on what industry you work in, especially like charitable giving, like it's sometimes such a polished industry where it's like, oh, we're presenting all these facts and we have to almost like earn the right to have your donation that now we're saying, you know, hey, actually get really down the weeds and be really personal. And I think what's interesting for those listening to this is that's exactly what we do for like our major donors. Like our major donor reps know like, where their donors eat Chinese food on Thursday nights. Like they know all their kids' names. They know how many girlfriends their son has went through this year. Like they know all of these details and we have this like intimate relationship. But then for the rest of our donor base, we keep it like generic and mass because we we only isolate that personalization to that like top few but it's a great kind of like model for like what we could start doing with with more of our donors. And that's what we're a huge advocate of. But it kind of brings back that question I asked you earlier, Ali, is like, how do you actually decide when do you use this? When do you don't? And I know, you know, you've talked about a mental model for this. So I'd love for you to share yeah. that and talk to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when I do, so I do a lot of webinars here at Bonjour, and I do webinars for customers in all sorts of different spaces. So, you know, charity, SaaS, um, online coaches and membership sites and something that I always start with actually is the, the when to use personalization and the way that I break it down is I split it into three and it's about a sort of touch and it's from high touch medium touch and low touch and I'll explain what I mean so I think of personalization as being appropriate for high touch scenarios and a high touch scenario for me and when I coach people on personalization, it's really where you want to do one of two things. You want to drive action or you want someone to respond to you. Um, and that's when you should really be leaning on personalization. So if you're doing anything and you're sort of marketing and you're thinking you want to drive action or you want someone to respond and you're doing it in an automated way, for me, that's a bit of a red flag. And you should go back to the drawing board and think, okay, can I personalize this thing in any particular way. For us here at Bonjoro, you know, our business is all about um, customers and about sending personalized videos to their customers at the right time to drive action and inspire responses and connect with them and sort of build that trust and loyalty to either sort of convert more donors or to make them stick around for longer. Um, So really that for me is like the best case scenario to use personalization. A level down from that high touch scenario where you're trying to drive action or get a response, for me, it's, it's more about sort of updates, general updates and education. But this is still, it's one to many. So this isn't one to one now, but this is still sort of where you want to you know, have a bit of a conversation with your customer. But there's no sort of specific driver, like you don't need to drive an action. And for me, that's where you can step down your level of personalization. So in our situation at Bonjour, in terms of video, Marketing, we'd say, okay, you don't have to send a one to one hyper personalized video to this person or to this group. Um, You could do something like send a screen recording. So, if you wanted to update them with something you've been up to or a new feature on your product or something you've been up to, it's okay to do it one to many here because you're not specifically trying to drive action. You just want to educate and update them. And then another layer down from that is a sort of low touch scenario for me, where I think you're talking to tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people at one time. But this, you know, I, I still think you should try and do the sort of mid-touch and the high-touch wherever possible. This, for me, is really transactional. I, you know, I'd really only try and lean on sort of automation you know, when you're doing the transactional stuff, like you know, sharing their you know, password reset, uh, you know, anything related to payments. This, this sort of stuff is okay on a transactional sense. But that's my, that's my mental model. So when I coach people on personalization, I split it down to that sort of touch model. High touch, uh, mid touch, and low touch. And really trying to do as much as you can at the top end. And we have, just to sort of wrap that up, we have an ethos here internally at Pondjoy that guides us around this, which is um, automate processes but never relationships. So use your automations in the process piece of your business, but don't ask those automations to build relationships for you. If you ever feel like you're doing that, go back to the drawing board and and try and do something personal to build those relationships.
1: And I think those categories of different engagements are really important. And many of our listeners are obviously, you know, fundraisers or nonprofit leaders that are trying to think through this. And so I know, you know, when I've chatted with you all previously, you mentioned a few examples of some of these like high touch opportunities to leverage personalization, like. You know, inviting donors to an event or a gala where you want them to take that action or thanking a donors for their support and trying to build that. Are there other examples you're seeing charities uh, use personalized personalization, but specifically personalized video to build that connection? I think especially now in our current moment where a lot of our physical engagements as charities, whether it's one-on-one donor meetings or galas or donor impact summits have been kind of upended because of the global crisis that we're under, which is kind of, and I I don't think that's going away anytime soon as far as, you know, when we'll be able to tap those. So now video has become like a highly socialized tool for engagement. But talk to me how charities are actually using this um, today uh, at Bonduro.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'd, I'd agree. I think we're already, it's a critical moment for video at the moment. We're not, at you know, Charities are not able to be in the field as much at the moment. So, it's really a prime moment for video as that way of connecting with your audience or your donors. So, in terms of uh, use cases, there are you know, thanking donors is the key one. That's what most of the, our uh, charity customers use Bonjour for, really about building loyalty and advocacy from day one. You know, that person's donated to you, the first thing that you send back to them is something hyper personal, and it builds that bond very quickly with that person some really interesting stuff and I'll tell you a story actually about one of our customers um they're a YMCA camp uh, uh, based in the states a guy called Tim that runs one of these camps he actually uses bonjour in a really lovely way um, to reactivate uh lap stoners but what he's doing he's not um so I'll quickly tell you the story so he uh sends videos to you know, people that haven't maybe donated to his camp, his YMCA camp that he runs, so two, sort of three years uh, previous donors, and essentially tells them what he's been up to. And when he sends a personal video to that lapsed donor, what he does is he uses a call to action in his video to say, oh, by the way, I just wanted to show you as well where all of your money went. Um, you know, click on, the, click on the link to watch the video we put on YouTube about all the new facilities that we built, all of this sort of stuff. And actually, in his video that he sends to lapsed donors, he's not saying, go and donate now. He's not trying to sort of push them in a direction, but just through the action of being personal, letting him know that he remembers them and that he values them as a donor and showing them something, you know, showing where their money has gone from those two or three years previous. He's had an unbelievable increase in lapsed donors coming back and donating more, So, for example, one of those videos he sent, this is the first time he told us about this. He came on our private Facebook group and he said, wow, I've just woken up. I sent a video yesterday to a couple that donated, I think they donated something like $9,000 a few years before um, with a link to this video, like I just told you. And they put an extra $3,000 in his bank account overnight. And he didn't, on the video, he didn't even ask them to donate more. But I think just making that connection and being thoughtful, um, and being in the moment, you know, showing that he's been intentional with them, uh, really sort of had that, you know, sort of hit the mark. So I think that's really interesting for every charity because often there's that type that sort of feeling of there's a slight anxiety around, or we've been too pushy with people. You don't even have to make the ask, but sometimes the, the result will come back.
1: And what I love about that example is it's actually a perfect picture of what we call the responsive fundraising framework. Where they, you know, our our big focus is like listening. So he knew that these donors had given historically. He had like knew that they cared about this specific thing and had an interest in this. So they had involvement and they had interest. And then he connected with them in a personal way, which is the second part of the framework. And then he suggested the next right thing. And and that doesn't always, as you mentioned, have to be a financial ask. You know, in a a typical fundraising thing, it's like, hey, we need this. Do you want to give to this now again? But instead, he just pushed them to a story. But then through that engagement, he continues to learn more and more about each of these donors. And so I love the picture that it provides for our framework, where there was a listening action, there was a connecting personally action, and then there was a suggestion. And then obviously that in repeats itself, and you can continue to build on those relationships over time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really like that way of thinking about it. Um, yeah, and that sort of, yeah, as you say, that suggestion not having to be the Donate now, I think is really interesting. And there, I think there are lots of ways uh you can play with that as a charity and use more of your storytelling assets um, you know, to to lead to lead the ways that you use video.
1: Absolutely. And another thing I think is interesting is what we're seeing nonprofits and organizations that use are our customers here at Virtuous, but I also know that, you know, you uh, charities using your platform have done the same as we talk about this idea that like as a fundraiser we need to close the gap between the giver and the good so how do we actually bridge that gap because when you donate to something really you get like a hit of dopamine but then the only thing you really get in return outside of that is the communications and the engagement from the charity and so we've seen organizations leverage this opportunity to connect in personal ways to actually bridge that gap between the giver And the good. And I know one of your other colleagues, Ali, shared with me an example of a missions organization um, that has, you know, staff all around the world who actually, like, when donations came in, they would then ping the people on the field, like the program workers. And I think this is applicable regardless of whether you're missions or a zoo or an arts organization, is actually bringing the giver closer to the good by engaging your program staff. So could you share that example if you, if you, like, to kind of talk through the mechanics of that. Cause I think some people are like, wait a second, we're going to give our program staff a camera and they're going to send a video. Like (laughs) what, (laughs) you know, like that's not going to happen, but talk through it a little bit more and how, you know, in some ways your guys platform actually helps facilitate that in a a
0: great way. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the exact point I was going to hit on actually. So yeah, so we, we work with a number of missionary uh, based organizations and the one that you're talking about something they do. That's really interesting. So those missionaries are out there in the field and they, you know, there's travel involved, they need books, supplies, you know, funding in other ways. So um, what their organization does is assign videos to each of their missionaries in the field to record to thank donors as they come in. Um, and you know, I think yeah, the key part of this is that you need a platform that will enable you to do that. So you know, the interesting part of our talk Bon is that we're really sort of built to help you scale this thanking or the 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 so this sort of video uh, sort of loyalty piece and connecting with your customers. I think often charities think, okay, how am I going to do this video thing at scale? How's it actually going to sort of work? Um, so it, you know, two parts of our product that are really useful, we have an assigning uh, element. So you can have an administrator that's maybe sitting you know, in your head office that manages this and they can actually see you know, all of these. You can connect up with your CRM and see the donors coming in. And they can be looking through these donors and assigning them off to the particular person that's going to record the video. In this case, it's the missionary out in the field. And actually a secondary part as well is that you can can bring in, you can pull through custom fields from your own CRM into your Bonjura account. So when the person is out there in the field recording a video, um, they can actually see more information about that person. So it's not just fake personalization. They can actually see what the donation level was, where that person lives, you know, all, all these sorts of things. Any, any data that you might hold in your own CRM, um, and in terms of recording it, all they need is a phone. You know, we have a Bonjour has a mobile app, iOS and Android. Um, we have a web application as well. We have a Chrome recorder. So you know, this the, the missionary in this case would just be on their phone, in the middle of where they're doing this work, um, picking out their phone. They get a little notification pops up. To record a video and they record that video and they've got all of that customer information to hand before they record the video so they can tailor it and make it properly personalized so yeah i think it's it's leaning on the right platforms to help you do this thing at scale as well and they do it in a really interesting way and i think that that works perfectly as well to sort of bridge that um yeah connection with their donor
1: yeah absolutely and i think what what comes up often when we talk about personalization is it's almost easy to get people to buy into why it's important. And then they conceptually get it because we experience it everywhere in all of our lives, whether it's my Audible app suggesting the next book I should read or Netflix saying you should watch this documentary because you like this one or Amazon saying you should buy this because you bought this. Like We have these personalized experiences with other brands. So we understand the concept. But when we get to this part, which is where I want to kind of spend the last little bit of our time together, is like how do you actually do this and implement this? And one thing that we've learned here at Virtuous. And as we've helped organizations do the same thing, you know, through our CRM and our tooling, we can actually help you scale personalization to more of your donors or all of your donors, because we think that's really important. And through integrations or connectivity into apps like Bunjuro and others, you're able to facilitate those connections because you have an integrated picture of your donors and all the activities because you have that systematically connected. And I think the thing that we've learned, though, is that this isn't just like a conceptual understanding of personalization. You really have to build systems to support the methodology. So just because you have a framework that says, oh, we should listen for donor signals, we should connect personally with donors, and then we should suggest the right things. To do that at scale, you have to have the right systems. And I think that's where you mentioned already, like, having integrated data systems from your CRM into your other tooling and being able to connect that. In relatively real time is almost essential if you're going to pull this off at scale.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think there are a lot of not-for-profits out there who are already doing a lot of this good stuff already in terms of segmenting their audience. Um, so this is already this is only just taking it that little step further. So you know, taking that segment of donors that you've identified that you think it's right to make that personalised touch with. Yeah. You know, then, how do you take that on and actually deliver on the personalization? And part of that is your tool set. And as you say, you know, linking up to systems like Ponduro, taking that customer context into that application, so you can actually make that thing personalized. Um, I just wrote a, about two months ago. I finished writing this thing I called the Video Funnel Playbook, and it's essentially a playbook of like uh, sort of templates. Like, how can you do personalization? Like, when you should do it? What's the trigger event in your in your customer's journey? What should you actually say? Like what should your video look like? Where should it link to? what call to action should you use? So I think you know a lot of this uh, a lot of these tactics are things that people are already doing with with email marketing and other types of marketing. so it's really just taking that and and adapting it a little bit you know in our case into video. you know another thing that Bonjour has is this message template system. so actually once before someone records a video, you create a message template and the message template has like a little message prompt to get them to open a video and that can be personalized with that sort of F name and you can put your call to action in there. So it's, it's thinking about, you know, what segments of customers do you have? When do you want to do that personalization? What message template makes sense? What do you want to say in your video? What should the call to action be? So getting all of that aligned in a really sort of tactical uh, way is important. Um, So yeah, totally agree with that. And I think it is about the tool set that you pick and, and how tactical you are about this stuff as well. Yeah, and I think what
1: I'm encouraged by is that what we're saying, like from a function standpoint, like practically, we all know how to do because we do it in our personal lives. You know, like I send video messages to my mom or to my good friends, or I post on Instagram, or I do all of these things to connect with people in my personal lives, we just kind of forget that and almost freeze up when we move over to a business concept. So what we're, we're not actually... This, these aren't new functions in some ways. They're just doing them in a different context of your life. And so I think we need to realize that this isn't completely new. It's actually just applying something we already know how to do into a different you know arena, maybe where it wasn't Um, either possible or it just wasn't encouraged previously but uh, that kind of brings me to my last question as we wrap up Ollie, is that obviously what we talked about was everything from like how do you you know structure a mindset like what what are the different reasons you should do personalization we talked about like systems and making sure data is integrated and actually delivering the message but for someone like right now in the next week like how can they even get started with video or what's some like two or three practical first steps as they explore leveraging video and personalization to build lasting relationships with their donors?
0: I think the important part of this is is testing. So I always advise and I know most people here at Bonjoro when we talk to charities and other customers is do an A-B test against something you're already doing. So actually don't try and develop this completely new idea or initiative you can move on to that but there might already be a part of your customer journey or customer funnel you know whatever you've got set up that you think actually this would be a really interesting point to test against a new approach a much more personal approach so i would take that moment lift it out have a look at it see what goes into it and then maybe use something like bonjour and set up a bonjour test against your existing strategy just a small segment maybe you could do this with 20 30 50 donors and see what the results are because you know this is all about results personalization you know is obviously about an emotional level and a connection with your your customers and your donors but also it should be about results as well so i think the first thing we always advise is do a small test and understand and see the power of personalization and see that it works um, and then move on from there but yeah take something that you already have that you're already comfortable with and test against it and I think that's an interesting thing from a a, you know much larger charities point of view you know a lot of them sort of question the scale of personalization but actually when you think about you know how they're operating many have like huge you know teams that are already on the phones you know why not sort of pluck one of those teams out and say okay three of you guys this week or the next couple of weeks you're going to do something a little bit different and let's see how it goes so yeah that would be my answer to that definitely sort of a small controls test to start with, and then you get that buy. You could then take that and get buy-in from your organization and move on from there.
1: Yeah, and I think what we 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 encourage kind of a similar thing here at Virtuous as people are exploring personalization or even just creating like dynamic campaigns at key milestones in a donor donor's journey, which this this would be a part of, is to start with like the most obvious one, which is like when a new donor gives to you. How are you thinking them? We all typically have some sort of thank you process already, and now splitting that and incorporating video and other ways to personalize through multiple channels because I think that's the key here too is that like in today's world you need to communicate with your supporters through multiple channels but facilitate like a single conversation and I think you can split test that in a way with your new donors because it's a very clear distinct distinguished set of supporters in a segment that says, hey, we're going to split these up, we're going to do highly personalized, high touch, and we're going to do low touch, you know, our normal process over here and see what happens in, you know, even 60 days, 90 days. Because, you know, we know historically from data that a donor who gives to you again, within the next or within the first 60 to 90 days has a huge increase in lifetime value. So it's like, how well are you actually converting donors into that second gift and and bringing them closer into the organization and is personalization actually helping you do that we believe so but as Ali said you know running that sort of test is a is a very clear way to evaluate personalization's yeah. impact on growing giving and increasing your impact as a nonprofit and charity
0: that's interesting I think that's really important I think when we started up on juro we thought internally that we were just this Onboarding tool that was built around sort of personalized uh, around uh, conversion. We thought we were probably a conversion tool, and a lot of our first customers treated us as a conversion tool. But what we found over the last two or three years, actually, is that we're almost more powerful for building a customer or a donor into a superfan, and we're much more of a sort of churn tool. You know, we're sort of about reducing churn and making people uh, a bit more loyal or stickier with the organization. So I think it's a really important point that actually you should, when you're measuring this stuff, you know, measure, of course, of the sort of conversion the upfront bit, but also look at the the sort of lagging uh, indicator, which might be you know, how so, how long someone sticks around, and that's actually probably where you'll see the bigger impact. And we've seen a lot of data around that here.
1: Yeah, and I think it aligns with something that we've found in our research here at Virtuous is that the reason donors continue to give or stop giving, in summary like when you look at all the data and you summarize it up it's two factors the first is a donor will continue to give to you if they have connection with your cause and personalization is key you know to driving connection because it's a personal connection but you're also inviting them in the next thing is is so connection with and the second attribute is confidence in I think this idea of humanizing your brand that they're not just giving to a black hole and you're presenting in showing impact and showing up and using the tools in a way that bring donors closer to the cause, you're only going to increase confidence in with those donors. And those are the two key attributes to increase or to to for a donor why they choose to keep giving. And personalization is a key driver of that. And so I think it it proves out in the research, but as we mentioned, you definitely want to run a test. Uh, but, Ali, I appreciate the time and uh, your insights on this and your organization's continued focus and promotion of this idea of how do we actually build more personalized relationships with our customers or our donors or supporters. So, I appreciate the time.
0: Thanks very much. To learn more about Bonjuro, the best place uh, is just to go to our website, bonjouro.com. So, B O N J O R O.com. Um, we've got a live chat. So, if you want to hop on live chat and ask us any questions or if you want to jump on a call with us we're always happy to take 30 minutes out of our day and do a bit of a consulting session talk to you specifically about your own challenges and and take you through how video can help you in your charity or not-for-profit <clears throat> um, and then also the video funnel playbook that i mentioned so essentially uh, templated ways uh, that you can use video uh, to engage your customers at different points of the customer journey that's at bonjouro.com forward stroke video funnel playbook. Um, that's a free download. There's no email required. It's totally ungated. So go and grab a copy of that and have a look through it. And hopefully it'll be useful. Really enjoy being on here, Noah.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Responsive Fundraising Podcast by Virtuous. Each episode, we've designed to really give you the insights into the philosophy, process, and playbook of leading nonprofits so that you can grow giving and build deeper relationships with the people who matter most, your donors. And if you want to dig further into responsive fundraising, we've actually put together an exclusive content pack just for listeners of this podcast. If you go to virtuouscrm.com slash Podcast. That's virtuouscrmcom slash podcast. You can download a content kit that includes the Responsive Fundraising Blueprint, which outlines all of the strategies that are involved in implementing responsive fundraising. You also get the Responsive Fundraising Playbook, which includes 20 plus plays, which are basically strategies that you can implement today at your nonprofit to become more responsive and ultimately raise retention and increase giving. We'll also throw in a bunch of other resources and content that is going to be helpful for you as you think about how you're applying responsive fundraising at your nonprofit. And it's completely free. You can grab that at virtuouscrm.com slash podcast.